0: Welcome to the Mass Device Fast Five MedTech News Podcast, the show that keeps you up to date on the latest breakthroughs in medical technology with the top five news stories to get your day started. I'm your host, Danielle Kirsch, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Sean Hooley. What news do we have for today?
1: Today, we'll discuss progress for a neuromodulation device that treats migraines, fourth quarter earnings results at Edwards, more questions raised about the Neuralink brain-computer interface, data demonstrating the cost-effectiveness of a heart implant from Medtronic, and the latest major news surrounding CGM integration into automated insulin delivery.
0: I'm really interested to hear about that migraine therapy. So let's talk about that first.
1: Yeah, Shira has completed its implantable migraine therapy pilot enrollment. So it looks like this device is progressing along and the company already has plans for a U.S. clinical study now after this Australian pilot.
0: So what is this technology?
1: Well, it's a neuromodulation system to address the debilitating symptoms of migraines. The company says it's the first ever fully implantable system for head location utilizing a minimally invasive approach. It's a fully implantable programmable device that delivers precise electrical pulses, standard neuromod, tailored to disrupt migraine pain signals, designed to offer a new and potentially more effective treatment option than what's currently out there. It received FDA breakthrough device designation in 2021. So now a few years later, we're potentially seeing it work more closely to getting to the market.
0: So as someone who has suffered from migraines, this technology seems really interesting and promising. So what has the data shown so far?
1: Shiretronics said that in the pilot's initial stages, data unveiled promising results indicating a substantial decrease in headache and migraine days. The company also reported notable reductions in headache duration and severity. Preliminary outcomes demonstrated meaningful headache day reduction after four weeks of therapy as well.
0: How optimistic are executives about the future of this technology?
1: VP of Global Clinical Affairs Fred Eklund said as the company embarks on the next phase of clinical trials with its upcoming pivotal study, it eagerly anticipates continued partnerships that will help make meaningful strides in advancing therapy options for these patients.
0: And now we're still in earnings season, so let's jump into that one earnings story that we have for today.
1: Yeah, Edwards reported its fourth quarter results, and Taver and Critical Care drove the company to a fourth quarter sales beat.
0: So what was Edwards' overall financial performance for Q4?
1: So the company posted profits of just under $370 million, equaling $0.61 per share, on sales of $1.53 billion for the quarter. That was good for a 7.2% bottom-line slide, despite sales growth of 13.8% overall. The adjusted earnings per share was $0.64 apiece, equaling projections on Wall Street, while sales narrowly topped expectations as analysts had forecast $1.5 billion in revenue.
0: So we know Edwards is known for its TAFR technology, and we know that it is spinning out its critical care business by the end of this year, can you tell us a little bit about how some of the individual segments performed in, during the quarter?
1: Yeah, well, it was particularly noteworthy. I'd say that critical care was one of the highest performers in terms of the segments because they are spinning it off this year. And It was something that analysts flagged as a growth driver. But yeah, Taver had 13% growth year over year and critical care 11% year over year. So really impressive performance from both of those units. As you said, Taver is sort of what we come to expect. That's really Edwards' main bag, if you will. But critical care definitely at least surprised me uh, as someone who maybe isn't completely in the know on the intricacies of Edwards' business, but definitely a strong performance from both those units.
0: What was the analyst's point of view about these earnings?
1: BTIG analysts continue to rate Edwards as neutral, despite what they described as a spate of good news recently, saying they applaud Edwards' achievements, but note the immediate impact revenue is likely relatively small. Uh, that probably is in reference to the recent FDA clearance of the Evoke tricuspid valve, but they continue to see a lot to look forward to and believe with its strong margin profile an extensive product pipeline that the company can continue to progress. But it says that they need larger taber beats, more visibility on TMTT adoption, or more meaningful operating margin increases to justify a significantly higher stock price. So that was why they maintained the neutral rating, saying that the recent stock rally more than reflected the company's recent wins, but the bar remains high to impress investors.
0: And now we have some BCI news.
1: Yeah, Nature Journal has raised some questions about Neuralink's BCI study. More red flags, as we tend to talk about a lot on this podcast with Elon Musk's Neuralink venture.
0: What were some of the concerns that scientists had?
1: So Nature reported that some neuroscientists had frustrations about the lack of detailed information. No confirmations, actually, that the company's study after receiving FDA breakthrough device designation has actually begun, other than a tweet from... Elon Musk and yeah so effectively there's been no transparency from the company apart from Musk's own posts on the social media platform that he owns and the main source of information on the human trial is a study brochure that encourage people to participate but there are no details uh, explaining where the implantations are performed or what the trial outcome will assess and most notably uh, this isn't registered on clinicaltrials.gov which is the US National Institutes of Health online registry for clinical trials. It surprised me. I thought it was sort of a necessity to register on there, but at the very least, it's a common place to gather information for these types of trials. So you would think that especially something with the FDA's breakthrough nod would would be included on there.
0: So let's dive into that clinicaltrials.gov concern a little more. Why is that such an issue?
1: Well, I would say that, you know, many universities require registration on clinicaltrials.gov. Researchers have to register a trial and its protocol in a public repository before participants can be enrolled. Nature said that the registration also ensures that the study aligns with ethical principles to protect volunteers for clinical trials. So yeah, from Nature's perspective, those are the concerns. And just, you know, from a general perspective, Musk's reputation is probably at the very least a bit of a questionable one. And something as serious as a brain implant, you want transparency regardless of who's at the helm of the company so you can understand why medical professionals are concerned. And when you throw in sort of Neuralink's checkered past, including concerns around animal mistreatment, improper hazardous material transport, it definitely makes sense why the red flags have been raised.
0: What's the next news story that we have?
1: Medtronic has touted the cost-effectiveness of its Link insertable cardiac monitors. We know the potential of these devices from a purely medical standpoint, but Medtronic now has data showing that its system can contribute to financial savings too.
0: So, what is Link?
1: Well, Reveal Link has been a staple in cardiac rhythm management with FDA clearance coming 10 years ago, 2014, and it has global availability currently. So, it's a tiny, minimally invasive device that delivers long term monitoring for conditions like AFib and stroke, among others.
0: What was some of the data that stuck out and supported this claim?
1: So in an analysis of the Stroke AF trial, which looked at the cardiac monitor for monitoring stroke and AFib, the study actually projected that insertable cardiac monitor patients experience 53 fewer ischemic strokes per 1,000 patients over their lifetimes compared to the standard of care, which could include Holter monitoring, telemetry, or event recorders. Medtronic also estimates a gain of 0.17 quality-adjusted life years at an incremental cost of just over $6,000. This leads to an incremental cost-effectiveness ratio of $37,760 per quality-adjusted life year, which lands well below the established willingness-to-pay threshold in the U.S. of $150,000 per quality-adjusted life year. The company also noted that for ICM patients at the highest risk of AFib detection, that cost for quality adjusted life year came in at just $22,016.
0: So what are executives saying about this new claim?
1: Well, Stacy Churchwell, the VP and GM for Cardiovascular Diagnostics and Services at Medtronic, said the results reaffirm the importance of insertable cardiac monitors for the detection and management of AFib, which can impact secondary stroke prevention. She also said that the Link family of ICMs not only demonstrated high sensitivity in detecting AFib compared to standard monitoring, but now have additional economic value, further strengthening their role in post-stroke care.
0: And what's the final news story that we have?
1: Inslet has integrated the Abbott Freestyle Libre 2 Plus into the Omnipod 5 in Europe, uh, receiving CE mark for that combination. So we've had a lot of stories about CGM integration, and this is definitely a big one with Abbott and Insulet, offering two of the leading systems in their field.
0: So can you dive a little bit more into what this approval covers?
1: So the European approval covers the compatibility of Abbott's Freestyle Libre 2 Plus, which is a slightly modified version of the Freestyle Libre 2 for these automated insulin delivery systems, glucose sensor with the Insulet Omnipod 5 automated insulin delivery system, a patch pump wearable system for individuals aged two years and older with type 1 diabetes.
0: Why is this important for Abbott?
1: Well, up until this point, Omnipod 5 only integrated with Dexcom CGM. So this could open up a lot of business for Abbott now, but also insulate for many reasons, because now many Abbott users are are open to using their technology. So users of Omnipod 5 who would prefer a Libre device or Libre users who want to make that jump to automated insulin delivery can now utilize this combination. And this also marks the second major insulin pump integration for Abbott in 2024. After last month, the company announced Freestyle Libre 2 Plus compatibility with the Tandem Diabetes Care T-Slim X2 system.
0: I know we talked about Omnipod 5 a few times on this podcast. So could you just briefly tell us what that technology is?
1: Yeah. So it's the latest generation Omnipod from Insulate. It became the first tubeless wearable automated insulin delivery system cleared for marketing in the US in January of 2022. It's a tubeless pod with smart adjust technology that takes CGM data and predicts where glucose will be 60 minutes into the future every five minutes. And then it increases, decreases, or pauses insulin delivery based on the user's desired and customized glucose target. It's the only tubeless hybrid closed loop system in Europe with integration with two CGM sensor brands now as well in Abbott and Dexcom.
0: And that marked the fifth story. So that's all the time that we have for the news today. Thank you, Sean, for bringing us all of your
1: insights. My pleasure. As always, read more on the Mass Device website and check out the show notes at MassDevice.com slash podcast.
0: Connect with us online. I'm on LinkedIn at Danielle Kirsch, K-I-R-S-H. Where can they find you, Sean?
1: You can find me on LinkedIn, Sean, S E A N, W H O O L E Y.
0: Subscribe to the Mass Device Fast Five, wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode. Join us tomorrow for your daily MedTech News Roundup. Thank you for listening.